Welcome to my basement, everybody. Very cool show for you guys today. My friend and uh, my colleague and uh, uh, a, a man that I have a, a great deal of admiration and respect for, Elias Tufexis is here. He uh, has uh, hosted the Canadian Video Game Awards. He has uh, appeared in tons of video games. Next Tuesday, he is out in Far Cry Primal. Uh, but uh, beyond all that, he's just an awesome guy, and I love hanging out with him, and it's a real privilege to have you on the show, my friend, and uh, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling me anytime. Yeah. It's fun. This is great, dude. You've got a game that uh, I've played a little bit of. I've got the uh, review copy. I'm probably not even allowed to say that, but I've got the review copy, and uh, we can't wait to start streaming a little bit of it, and uh, you might own a copy <laughs> of it yourself, yes. <laughs> Um, but it's a very different experience for Far Cry fans, for video game players, and it must have been weird as hell to be the voice of Takar. Yeah, it was. It was an interesting experience, that's for sure. I remember getting the uh, the call that uh, it was. It was an audition. I, I'd known the people. I'd worked with the people who had uh, who were making the game. So they called me in. They still wanted me to audition for this character, and then they said. Uh, it's in this uh, this other language. I'm like, okay, are you just gonna give me phonetics? I thought they were just gonna give me phonetics, and I was gonna just read words, and that's how I did the audition. I had no idea what I was saying in the actual audition, but then when I booked when I booked the actual role, they introduced me to Andrew and Brenna Bird, who wrote an actual language for the game, like a complete language, um, with as complete as they needed it to be, I should say. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I had to learn it, and so did the other actors. They had to kind of, we had to kind of learn uh, how to speak this language, and the different, you know, the past tense and the future tense and the present tense and the uh, plurals and all that stuff. It all, it all makes sense. It's all an actual language that they wrote based on a proto-Indo-European language from what was likely 10,000 10, uh, 10, BC. So, a million questions pop up when you yeah. talk about doing something like this, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you're obviously you're doing the new Deus Ex game as well after coming off of the incredibly successful, uh, the last <coughs> Deus Ex game, which we all loved. And that's kept you very busy. But when you're dealing with a Stone Age character and a script of a, you know, with a brand new language, how intensive is the work? Like, how long does it take to get the, the line reads right? And because there's no yeah. way to measure. Well, we had we had coach. We had, I had a coach every time I worked, mostly. Uh, because Takar is first person, because you you never see him in the game. You really only see him in, uh, in like promo arts and on the covers and things like that. You yeah, yeah. Never really, because you see through his eyes. Yeah. So I didn't have any actual mocap work. Um, I went to the mocap stage a couple of times, but my job out of the all of the actors was the easiest because I didn't have to memorize any of this dialogue. Uh, I had most of the dialogue, but my dialogue was obviously written out for me in a sound booth, and I had. Uh, Andrew Bird, the the linguist, on Skype at all times. Right. So I was able to say the language once I learned it, because we had meetings ahead of time. All of the actors had meetings to to learn the language and stuff like that. And once I learned it, uh, I had Andrew there. Even even if I had known what I was going to say and how I was going to say it, I liked having Andrew there to to help me in case I wanted to change the line. Sometimes we wanted to change lines. And I just say, how would I say this? How would I actually say, what words would I use to say these lines? And he would go and be like, give me five minutes. And he'd come back with a completely new uh, uh, new line that he hadn't, words he hadn't invented yet. Um, so I, I had the easiest job. But if you watch any character you play, when you play the game on Tuesday, you'll see any, any character you meet, uh, the actors there, they were all performance captured. Yeah. So they had to memorize a completely dead language, or completely uh, new language, and they had to uh, act in this language to camera like you would in a film or television show. And uh, also they had to think about the way they move their bodies because they're kind of you're not going to move like a modern man. Yeah. So I give all the credit to those actors. It's a, what they did, uh, and I played about halfway through the game already, and uh, what what they did is incredible. Yeah. And uh, it, it certainly feels authentic. Did you have scenes with other actors? Did you uh, have to go back and forth I, with anyone? I went in to work with them for them. They didn't. They never recorded me. Yeah. Uh, with another actor. Okay. Uh, we just recorded in the booth. Right. But I went in for the other actors uh, occasionally, 
uh, not all the time, which is unfortunate, but occasionally I went in uh, to give them the lines off camera. Otherwise, you know, you got a cameraman feeding them lines and stuff, and that's hard. For sure. It's already hard as an actor to talk to a camera. Yeah. And because the game is first person, the actors have to talk to the camera. Right. That's already difficult in any language. Now you have to add in the way they move and the way they talk, and uh, it's it was really a challenge. My challenge was just getting uh, getting all of the, the, the lines correct, making sure that even though Takark doesn't really he doesn't really grow as a character as much as he grows in strength yep. over the game, uh, and he's he grows in the sense that he's accomplishing his the player's goals. I had to make sure he didn't get boring and and uh, the way I said the dialogue and things like that were came across as authentic. That got tricky, but um, I, I still say not as tricky as the other actors. Now we're hearing your kids back there, which is awesome. Thanks for doing this on a on a Friday afternoon. It's great. It's yeah, great. He's doing something. My wife's trying to wrangle my three year old up there. Oh, it's great, dude. You have uh, three faces behind you. You've got Marlon Brando as the Godfather. You've got Alfred Hitchcock and yeah. and uh, who's this guy right there? Which one? Who are you pointing at? But right beside your arrows. Well, you've got the aliens poster, but right over your your left. Shoulder. Oh, that's Coben. That's Coben from uh, Splinter Cell. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, hidden behind the TV is Adam Jensen. It's like your uh, your little studio audience back there. I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Now, Blake, we've got a bunch of people in the chat. I see this thing is lighting yes, up already. Do. Let's get a couple of questions from people. Okay. First one comes from Kalnis01. Yep. He wants to know, Elias, did you have to alter your voice in any way when you voice Adam Jensen, or is that how you sound naturally? Uh. I didn't hear it completely. Oh, Did I sorry. have to alter my voice oh, for Adam Jensen? Blake, I can hear Blake, but uh, your your audio is going through a different. My audio is going through a different microphone, so you can't hear him. Did you have to alter your voice at all uh, when you did uh, Adam Jensen? A little, only a little bit. Only in the sense that Adam's more stoic. My voice is pretty much Adam's voice. Yeah. Uh, but he's you know he's a little more kind of you know he's a little gruffer uh, than I am. Here's more. the thing: when Adam yells. Because my voice is Adam's voice. But when I yell, my voice comes kind of up here. Yeah. You're like, shut up. My voice was there. Yeah. But Adam, his voice never raises. So the scenes where I had to yell, I had to keep him here and yell. Right. That was, that was the trickiest thing about playing Adam. Other than that, it's pretty much my voice. Awesome. Another question, Blake? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Precision wants to know, um, does Adam have a good side of his face, a la old actors from the 1950s and 60s? Does Adam Jensen? Or, sorry, does Elias? Does Elias? Okay. Oh God, yeah, no, I like the right side of my face. I hate the left side of my face. It looks weird. What? Really? <laughs> Actors. Dude, I can't. If you, if you, I'll, I'll get on set and I'll yeah. do a, a TV show and I'll, I'll try to artistically figure out a way for the director to put the camera on the right side of me. It's like, you know it, what? He would be turned this way, I think. I'm completely <laughs> just trying to justify it because I don't like the left side of my face. It's your uh, it's your paintbrush, right? It's your uh, it's your vessel. It's the way that you it, It's what makes you feel comfortable, right? Yeah. It's, uh, that's what it is. No, I hear I mean, you. Sometimes I have no choice and I'll just have to make myself feel comfortable. But yeah, no, there's always my whole life. There's always been one thing that bothers me, but every actor has that. Yep. Oh, we, every person has that. Many things that imagine. bother every person, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Far Cry Primal a little bit more because obviously this is a game that uh, stands out in its uh, uniqueness, you know, not just from the, uh, the franchise, but uh, we don't get to play cave people that often in video games. What did you think when uh, Ubisoft presented this to you? Because it must have been like, are you sure? Are, like, really? That is funny. That's, that was my reaction when I heard, when they're like, it's going to be in completely a, a different language, a made-up language that nobody understands. And then I thought, oh, that's really cool. Wait, that means everybody's going to have to read the entire <laughs> script. Everything is going to be have, is going to have to be read. And uh, they took that. It was a, it's a calculated risk because they had initially tried before I came aboard. I believe they had initially tried just doing it in English. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure they had the the, the dialogue lowered to like you know, me caveman, something like that. Yeah. But they, they said it just didn't work. People were laughing at it. Yeah. Kind of like the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted, if they wanted it to be, not the Flintstones, Captain Caveman. Yeah. Captain oh caveman. yeah, for sure. 
They wanted but now, to, but now I'm envisioning a Flintstones our uh, first person shooter, which would be kind of awesome. That would be cool because yeah. then you get all the animals that you can shoot with. <laughs> It'd be <things>. amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought so. They said I, we tried it in English, and then we decided that we we have to make up a language, and that's when they called those uh, Andrew and Brenna. Um, but yeah, of course, I came aboard, and I was thinking, is this a good idea? I personally think it's a great idea. Personally, yeah. yeah. Because I don't mind reading. I love. I mean, as you can see, I'm a film buff. Yeah. So I love. Uh, I love foreign films. Uh, I never have an issue reading subtitles. Yeah. But I know a lot of people do, in films. So I was thinking, in games, or is, is somebody going to like that, or are people going to like that? And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But well, playing I... a game, once you learn the the kind of the uh, rhythm of the language. Yeah. You kind of you're, you're glancing down and, and getting the lines. But the lines are coming much faster than the performance, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you can get the line and look up and watch the rest of the performance, and you, you it, it still works for me. Um, so I'm excited for people to find out, to see it. Well, and I think what it says, too, is that, uh, you know, this is a medium that really craves originality and risk-taking and yeah. uh, authenticity. And those are things that, you know, Ubisoft, I think, really tries to hit. You know, they don't always succeed, but I think they really... They really work hard to give us games that uh, resonate with authenticity, and that that's kind of the cool thing with uh, with Far Cry Primal is that you you think okay gimmicky this is kind of like Blood Dragon you know Redux or whatever, uh, and then you get it and it's like no I've never really experienced this kind of uh, terror from every direction because I'm a scrawny little dude in a land of saber toothed tigers before this is yeah. cool right. <laughs> You had, to, you had to project, and that's, I think, what's interesting about your Takar versus your Adam Jensen is you're terrified all the way through this game. You are completely, like, in harm's yeah. way every two seconds. Yeah, you can't damn honey badgers and... <laughs> There's no honey badger. Badgers and uh, the jackals. They're not called jackals in the game. I don't remember what they're called, but uh, <laughs> every time I'm just hunting or trying to find them, just jackal, 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 jackal. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's um, awesome. Hey, yeah. how is it working with Ubisoft as opposed to IDOS Montreal? And these aren't the only games you've worked with or companies that you've worked with, but is it similar? I mean, it's probably the same kind of process, but are the developers and the way they communicate what they need? Not, um, not really. Actually, to be honest with you, a lot of people, a lot of times I'll go to, uh, you know, a mocap stage and I'll be like, hey, man, what's up? And they're like, wait a minute, you were working for Eidos last time I saw you. Yeah. And then vice versa, I'm at Eidos, and then it's somebody who's working for Ubisoft. They kind of, it, a lot of people don't realize this, and for a lot of uh, programmers and people who work on the stage, and they're on contract for that project. Right. So they get that project when it's over, they either get another project with that same company or they go somewhere else. So for me, I'll come in and I'll work with people who I've worked on Deus Ex, and then I'll come in, oh, you worked on Splinter Cell, and you know what I mean? It kind of all mixes together. I don't really see much of a difference the only difference i see is um what i'm really appreciating what it, what idos is doing with deus ex is they're really uh, uh putting the actors out. i mean this is a selfish reason but for me but they're putting the actors out there yeah like we're gonna go do starting i think next month we're gonna start doing bringing the actors to uh packs and to comic cons and things like that i mean i was doing it all year last year but they're gonna I asked if we can bring like the cast with me. Yeah. And they're gonna bring two or three of the actors with me. And they're really putting us out there and I really appreciate that. Because I know I'm look, I'm well aware that we're one part of a giant machine of a game. Yeah. Even artistically, we're only one part of a giant artistic machine. Yeah. Um but to be fair, we're the most visible part or at least audible part. Yeah, yeah. Performance capturing it, it's the most visible part too. And uh, I'm well known now for my video game work, so I want to promote. Yeah. I want to go out there and talk about the game, and I want to go out there. I want the companies to say, "Come, go, come with us while we go promote the game." Well, they don't even have to talk about me. Just I just want to be there, so if people have questions, I can answer it and I can talk about how proud I am of, of this part of my career. I mean, this this is stuff that has to happen. I mean, we have to uh, as. Uh you know the game making community and the game consumption you know the game consumption community the the gamers out there we kind of have to recognize and appreciate that the actors that convey 
the stories and the narrative and do the performance capture and all that stuff are very important ingredients. They're not just something to, to be thrown in at the last moment without any thought or real sort of craft and care. And they deserve um, a little recognition and respect for their contributions in this stuff. But it's kind of a uh, an interesting time right now. Obviously, we're hearing about the, um, uh, I think, is it uh, the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild or in, yeah. in the States, is having issues with uh, the gaming industry. And uh, there has been some uh, movement towards a potential strike uh, at, mm-hmm. at the voice acting level. So there's some there's some tensions. And I think I think the tricky thing here is to not not go the Hollywood route and just give all the credit to the performers uh but to give them some credit you know and i think it, it yeah it has i mean to that's all, it's it's only it's only it's only fair um and um i it's like you don't i appreciate that even if i do a good performance capture day of work yeah i'll go watch it i'll be like you know what i didn't uh tilt my head there the animators did that later yeah works better than what i did yeah you know, and I, I can I can appreciate that, but whether they like it or not, video game companies like it or not, people, at least what I'm, I'm experiencing at conventions and social media and things like that, they want to meet the actors behind these characters that they're that they're falling in love with. Yeah, um, I'll go to you know any any Comic Con and uh, the people who come and meet me. It's not because of me. It's not. Elias to vexes they want to see is they want to meet Adam Jensen. Yeah, um, they they want to meet Coben. Surprisingly, a lot of people want to meet. Coben. <laughs> well, um, they, they want to meet the people that embody the characters that matter yeah. to them, and I think that's the uh, that's I think that's the ta- the takeaway from this, and why this has to this this friction between the acting community and the uh, the gaming game development community has got to get solved because we're moving yeah. into a much closer photo real kind of reality for games and a much more sophisticated way of telling these game stories so actors are an incredibly important part and there needs to be a little bit of a, a harmonious relationship yeah. there because gamers don't want to play games with shitty actors in them you know and we don't want acting to be such a, an, eye, an eyesore or a, a sound sore or whatever we want to feel like we are are getting lost in that performance and, and actually feel that uh that story and get our guards swept away with it all so it's an incredibly vital part of uh of game making you know and, you and, and there I, is a there is a star system yeah you know star i don't like using the word star but there is a troy baker roger craig smith nolan north guys like that yeah they're on a tier right yep. people want to buy games that they're in sure um hopefully i'm at that level too <laughs> Uh, we'll see. Well, you almost had two games come out on the same day, and that was uh, something that we talked about on EP all the time. H- how was it on your end? I mean, we all thought it was it was hilarious, but it must have been. Must have, does, Atticus, does Atticus want to answer this one? Do you want to say hi, buddy? <laughs> Hello. How you doing? Yeah. Good. Good. Good to see you. What you got there? Is that ice cream? What you Are you answering him? You're right there, buddy. And that's it. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. <laughs> All right. So, bud, uh, what do you think of? What was your question? My question was: both games supposed to hit next Tuesday, or supposed to have? Right. You're supposed to have Deus Ex and uh, Far Cry Primal were originally scheduled to both arrive on Tuesday. And how was that when you heard that remember, message? Remember when that was happening? When both of Daddy's games were coming out on the same day? Yeah. Remember, I was freaking out. Yeah. I was like, how am I going to promote both games? Because I don't want people to not buy one, but I don't want people to not buy the other one. So I was like, buy them both, but that's kind of like selfish. And were uh, you call, contacting Ottawa to have Elias to Texas Day in Canada? Yeah. You're trying, <laughs> to, you're trying to make that happen. <laughs> call it, call it. Everybody, go upstairs. Michelle, can you grab that? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, man. I definitely felt weird, and I was, uh, I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. That was it. It was, it was the conflict of interest, right? Yeah. Like I didn't want to have that conflict of interest where I'm like, 
okay, by Far Cry, but also by Deus Ex. In a weird way, Deus Ex is kind of a big part of my career. Yeah. So that's a, a character I'm probably most known for. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm kind of leaning toward Deus Ex. But I don't want to say that because I want people to buy Far Cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was that kind of thing that was uh, kind of tricky. So when they moved it, I was I was relieved, um, to say the least. I, I didn't want them to move it six months, but it's... It's for the best because we're just adding more and more and more stuff to the game. Well, let's talk about uh, Deus Ex right now. Where where do we find uh, Adam Jensen at the beginning of this game? Like, what's what's? <laughs> Michelle just said, "Is this live?" <laughs> Hello, Michelle. Hi, Victor. <laughs> See you soon. See you soon. Love you guys. Love you too. Bye, Victor. Bye. I I love your family, by the way, brother. They're all right, there she's locking them up. She's locking them upstairs. They're all awesome. Uh, uh, all right, so we're talking about uh, Jensen. Yeah, where's, where's where Jensen, Jensen at the now? beginning of this? Uh, what I like about where Jensen is now is that uh, the world that, that Deus Ex takes place in now is kind of um, augmented people because of what happened at the, the uh, end of the last game. Yeah. Augmented people have been uh, ostracized from, from society. Put really, real, uh, in reality, put them into ghettos. And uh, they're looked at as second-class citizens now. And Jensen is one of them, but he's kind of, he's working for a task force, so he's, he doesn't have to go through what they go through. Mm -hmm. But throughout the game, you go into these ghettos and you meet these people and the empathy that Jensen has for them, whether he likes it or not, whether he asked for it or not, is... Uh, nice. Is, that was one of my favorite things about playing him this time around, is the, uh, the position he's put in in the world. Very different from the last game, it was like, Find out what's going on. Find my girlfriend if I can. Find out who. It was a, it was about friend. him, right? It was his personal, thing. but now <laughs> yeah, he's representing but, a, a group of people, I guess. Yeah. Now it's now it's uh, the entire world is what's happening. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> poor Michelle, she's trying so hard to wrangle the kid <laughs> you're doing a great job trying to keep your focus too man i know it's hard uh, <laughs> no, we're good now we're good now i think they're friends at the moment. Uh, so th basically the world is what i'm saying the world is what i like now uh and and his place in it and it's much more uh, of a personal story uh, this, i mean not to say that not to say that your girlfriend dying is not personal but yeah. it's much more of a this affects him uh, in the world that he lives in much more. And the, the things he discovers, the conspiracies he discovers, and the, the people he meets are, are, are on a much grander scale. And oddly enough, it becomes more personal for him. When, so, you, uh, when you made uh, Human Revolution, uh, Idos Montreal was kind of proving themselves. They, they hadn't released a game like that, and certainly of that scale before. Um, and I'm sure there was a lot of nervousness because they, people had no idea how the game would be received. It wasn't being made by the original inventors and creators of, uh, of Deus Ex, after all. But it was an acclaimed game, and it was really well received. And I'm curious if... Uh, and now there's an incredible amount of excitement and expectation for the sequel. Yeah. How, how is the mood around the studio, and how... Uh, basically, are the, did they all turn into dicks, or is everybody cool? <laughs> no, everyone's good. I remember being at the rap party specifically, and kind of that was after the um, the the score of the game on Metacritic kind of solidified. Yeah, really good score, and uh, I remember them all just going, kind of going like, "Oh, okay, we're we're okay. <laughs> we have we jobs. Yeah. yeah, we still have jobs. We're good. We're gonna, we're gonna be all right." Um, and then when the new game, this is one of the reasons I think that, because uh, uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't say this, but we, we delayed from uh, next Tuesday to six months from Tuesday, right? Yeah. But that, we have been working on this game for a long time. Yeah. We had uh, we had a script and we started and we mo-capped a bunch. Then we all sat around, we don't, like, we don't like this, we don't like this, we don't like this. We redid a whole bunch. Then it happened again. We don't like this. We don't like this. We redid a whole bunch. That's expensive. Um, it's expensive. Yeah. What that proves to me is their belief in how good the game can be because the company just keeps throwing money at it. Mm -hmm. That's a bad expression, but keeps saying, no, this is not good enough. Yeah. Let's do this. And I remember looking at the first script and going, this is good. It's good. 
And then we got through it and we're like, yeah, that could be better. Let's fix that. And then you realize that these people really want the game to be as great as it can be. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Elias, what's good game writing? When you read it, can you tell right away? Yes. I can. Well, I can tell what bad game writing is. Okay. Uh, good game writing is good any writing, any like script writing. I'll tell you the truth. A lot of game writing is better than a lot of the TV writing mm. of, of shows that I audition for or work on. That's, I mean, we'll talk about The Expanse later, but that's one of the things I loved about The Expanse. was like, man, it's finally a good script in the sci-fi world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, game, I can tell bad game writing when you, when you get to a point, when you get to a, script, uh, a line and you're like, well, you're trying just to be a cool video game character now. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is hard for Jensen because a lot of that can fall into that. It happened a few times in Human Revolution. Yeah. That was just me be trying to be cool. That didn't work. So it was hard with Jensen to, to stay away from that. Uh, but I think we did it. That was one of the reasons why we were like, let's fix that. Let's change that. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? While we were changing the script and they were buying more time, they would just add things to the game. We're like, I'll come in one day to fix, to fix a script that we had done. And then they said, you know what? We added an entire uh, side quest now that goes with this because we liked it. So the more they delay, the more they added. So, uh, uh, again, I think it's it's going to be a really, really good game. I cannot wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. It's one of my most, you know, uh, the, the things that I'm most excited for in 2016. But, Blake, we I, must have a few more questions from uh from Oh, viewers. I got loads. Okay, let's hear them. Okay. Um, uh, Tamos Dada. Mm -hmm. I think that's the right way Tamos to say Tamos Dada. Hello. He wants to know, or she wants to know, Elias, were you surprised that Jensen was in the sequel to Deus Ex? Were you and surprised that Jensen was in the sequel to Deus Ex? Because his story seemed as though it was finished at the end of Human Because Revolution. at the end of Human Revolution, it kind of felt like a contained unit. Um, well, I like work, so I was happy. <laughs> uh, I, I can't say I'm surprised because, I mean, this is this has little to do with me, more to do with, you know, how they presented the game and how good the game was and the art direction and uh, and me. Yeah. But the character kind of hit this uh, thing with the public that is very difficult to do. Yeah. Like I'll, now I'll go into, you know, video game characters and you'll see the guys from Halo. You'll see uh, Ezio from Assassin's Creed. And you'll see Adam Jensen. You'll see... Um, uh, Nathan Drake, and you'll see Adam Jensen. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. get to that level of that type of character is not easy. So I think when the marketing team sat around and said, how are we going to, or rather not the marketing team, but the, uh, the writing team sat around and said, what are we going to do for the next game? I believe in, originally they said, we're just going to make a whole new uh, story. And I, I think that they came to a consensus that you don't want to waste this character who has become so popular. Sure. Like, if Uncharted 2 wasn't with Nathan Drake, right? people would have been like, oh, it's a good game, but I kind of that character became so popular. Kind of like uh, Raiden in uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, so I think that's the uh, uh, decision they came to. So, um, frankly, I mean, maybe this is bragging a bit, but I wasn't surprised. I was, yeah, I was like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you bring this really popular character back? Um yeah, I hope it's not over. I hope they, you know, they've made four Uncharted. I hope we make four Deus Ex games. I have no idea, but, yeah, you know, I'd, that would be really cool. I'll play his character for the next 10 years. I don't care. Well, we he, will. He doesn't have to age while I do. Well, I, you know, obviously we don't want any spoilers going out there. We all just want to play the game. So we'll have to reconvene on that after we beat the game. We'll, ha <laughs> yeah. we'll have you back on the show and we'll talk about uh, the potential possible future for Adam Jensen. Blake, <laughs> there's got to be another question. Yeah, um, The Last Disciple wants to know if the next Deus Ex game is going to have more refrigerators. The Last Disciple wants to know if the next Deus Ex game is going to have more refrigerators. Um, I think every level is going to have six to ten refrigerators. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sure. There's going to be more things to throw and more cardboard boxes to hide behind. And, uh, <laughs> things like that, I'm sure. More widgets. Yeah, more, more just more uh, Coke machines that you can chuck at people and things like that. More technology. Oops. I love it. 
Another question? Yeah, Mr. Precision, our old friend, wants yep. to know how is voice acting different than traditional acting? Okay, Kyle, Mr. Precision wants to know how right. is voice acting different than uh, regular acting? Um, in the case of most video games, there's not much voice acting anymore. Yep. Um, Takar, obviously, for Far Cry was because you never see him. But like I said, every other actor, I don't think they spent a day in the sound booth. Every other actor is there on set in performance capture gear. And that's just like a film or television to a degree. There's technical differences, of course, but... And they're, they're collecting the audio as well as all of the visual information yeah. and data that's tracked and then put into the computer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you don't... I mean, aside from waiting for lighting, there's not much difference uh, between a film and TV. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like performance capture is kind of like doing a play. Right. Uh, because you, a play in the round. Because you never have to worry about camera angles. You never have to worry about lighting. Uh, you just kind of have to focus on what you're doing. Um, but to answer the question, I mean, in voice acting, the the difference from the actor's point of view is nothing. There's no difference. You have to justify and support every choice you make regardless. I don't look at it as, oh, this is a voice thing, so I'm going to change the way I do it. Yeah. Um, there are technical little things. There are Like, here's a little trick. A lot of times, uh, as an actor... If you have to say a lot of P's in a sound booth, obviously something you don't worry about on set. But if you have to say a lot of P's, there's pops and buzz. The wind gets into the mic. So you just put your finger in front of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it. That's, that's the only difference. <laughs> Technical differences. Uh, from an actor's point of view, there's no difference. You approach the characters, the, the cliche, what he wants, what's he, what does he need in the scene, what's he trying to accomplish, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. That's it. Awesome. Well, let's talk about um, uh, the traditional style of acting for film and television. Uh, we've got a great example of that in your uh, uh, recent guest stint on The Expanse. Uh, yep. And it's a terrific show. I encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, it's a, an intelligent sci-fi show. Sci-fi is the, um, the company that's paying for it. and It airs on the Sci-Fi Network. I believe it's probably on Space in Canada. Uh, and it is definitely stylistically at least in the vein of a Battlestar Galactica uh, but I think there's even more layers and more complexity and uh, a little bit more grounded even though it takes place in large chunks in space but there's a little bit more grounded humanity in uh, the expanse and it's it's some thrilling stuff and uh, tell us about your work on the show yeah I love the expanse it's, it is a lot of people talk about it like being the next Battlestar Galactica it's a little less um soap opera than Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, much more grounded in kind of characters trying to, uh, you know, there's no love stories and there's no, uh, there's characters trying to figure out their place in the world and, and, and trying to figure out this giant conspiracy that's happening. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's incredibly well written. And I had the best thing about that show for me was that uh, I had auditioned for one of the regulars on the show. And uh, I, it came down to me and the guy who got it. And so I was really disappointed. Yeah. At, because it was such a good show. And I thought, which, man, which guy? Can you tell us? Uh, yeah. I, so I auditioned for, uh, for Amos on the show. Okay. He's the big tough guy, right? He's the big tough guy. Yeah. And it's the first time, and I, I say this in all honesty, 90% of the time when I I'll lose a role to an actor and I'll see the actor. Yeah. I'll, I'll see the show. I'll be like, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> it's a bad idea. I would have done a hundred times better. Yeah. But in this case, and I say this truly, when I got on set and I started work, because a lot of my scenes were with him. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, that's perfect. Yeah. He has something that I don't have. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, that he is terrific in the role. It would have been great to is. see you in the role, but he is. Like, I don't know most of these actors. Thomas Jane. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a couple of familiar faces in this thing. It was cool to see Jared Harris in there. Uh, but, but amazing, right? But uh, uh, most of them, I think, are unknowns or up-and-comers. And, -comers, and uh, that guy actually stands out, the guy that plays Amos. I don't know what his West, name is. Wes Chatham. Yeah, he's, and he's wonderful. And he's, yeah. he's, he does things. Oh, you said you didn't see the last episode. Yeah. There's a couple of things he does in the last episode in particular where I'm like, I couldn't have done that. Yeah. Like, I would have done that so differently that it would have changed the character. Right. So it's one of those times where it's... It, where I watched it and I said, yeah, that makes sense. But then what ended up happening, so I thought, you know, I didn't get this for a role, I lost it. Then they uh, they had called me and they put me on hold for another role, just randomly, you know, on the show. 
And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll be on the show. How many episodes? It was going to be something like four episodes. I thought, great. And then I didn't get that either. Oh! And so now I'm now I'm like, they just, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, me. F you, Expanse. I hate yeah, you. I, I'm dying, right? Because I love, <laughs> you understand, I do a lot of sci-fi TV. I do a lot of television and stuff. Yeah. And I hope I'm not insulting anybody. They're probably not watching this, but yeah. it's uh, nine or ten times it's terrible. Right. And I'm like, I don't. I'm doing this for real money. talk, real talk with Elias Defects yeah. is radio. <laughs> I'm doing this for money. I'm doing this to get my career going to get more people to see me and that kind of stuff. Yep. But the fans was so well written and I liked it so much. It was real science fiction. And I'm looking at this, man, I can't believe I'm not going to get on this show. Then I got a call from my agent saying, uh, they wrote you a part. Wow. And I was like, Oh, great. Wait. The thing about being an actor when you audition for something and you don't book it, a lot of times your auditions are really good, but you're not right for the character, which is a perfect example for The Expanse for me. Yeah. But then the directors or the producers go, we really liked you, so here's cop number two. Right. Or something like that. Because we like you, we want to work with you, but here's like a guy who says, over there, sir. Something like that. Yeah. So I asked my agent, I'm like, what is it? And he said, I'll get back to you. So I'm sitting there going, yeah, it's going to be a cop or a guard or something he's like no it's uh five episodes it's the complete last half, last half of the season and uh you are probably the most important character of the last half of the season right that is amazing. okay i'll take that yeah take that. <laughs> and then they when you when you see the character when you when you see the character i mean you've seen most of it yeah you realize that it's it's perfect for me it's like right in my wheelhouse it's exactly what i do yeah and they wrote it I don't know if they watched other shows I was on, if they played games I, I, I had done, but they had written it almost like it was right for like the perfect. It's kind of a fusion of uh, Adam Jensen and uh, and uh, the guy. Coben. And Coben, yeah. A lot like Coben. Yeah. Very and I know that uh, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham, the guys who wrote the book, uh, they know Deus Ex. They're big fans of the game. Oh, cool. And they knew me from the game. I don't think they cast me because of it, but I'm, I'm sure it helped. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it, it, I, I loved it. And I had so much fun and the script is so good and all the actors are great. Now it's, it's kind of an acclaimed show. I don't know how it's doing ratings wise. I hope, I mean, it's been picked up for a second season, so yeah. it must be doing well enough for that. But did the actors and the, uh, the people on set, this would have been filming in Toronto, uh, probably early this last time, year, this, this time, time last year. Like yeah. So, did everybody know that this was going to be a special project? What are you sitting? Everyone on? knew it What was are you sitting good. on, by the way? A bouncy, a bouncy ball or something? No, I'm, I'm just switching my lights and painting. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Is this bothering you? <laughs> I do feel like we're uh, on the Enterprise right now. I just keep switching. And stuff's just flying and floating all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the hell was it? Oh yeah, no, no, no. The uh, they. We all knew it was good. Yeah. We didn't know if it was going to be a hit. Okay. I remember we were at, I was at San Diego Comic-Con for Deus Ex. Mm -hmm. And of course, my Deus Ex panel was at the exact same time as the Expanse panel. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I couldn't even go watch the episode or talk to anybody or anything. But um, I went down before the show aired to say hi to everybody because they were showing the, pr the premiere. And everybody was nervous. And they're like, this is it. If this show is well-received here, we should be okay. Yeah. Uh, so we all knew we had something great, but nobody knew if everybody else would think that. Right. And uh, after the premiere, it just everyone loved it. And so we knew that, at least critically, people would really like this show. Did, and, did Sci-Fi give um, you guys the order to do all 10? And you had everything all sort of budgeted yeah. and confirmed to do that first. everything was confirmed for 10 yeah and they had done the 10 yeah. uh and then when that ended uh uh the the company that provides the money alcon or some of the money they were like yeah 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 season two right away but sci-fi was a little iffy about it uh because they wanted to wait for it to air and once it aired i think it was like two episodes in there sci-fi said yep go ahead nice Green light for season two nice um i don't know if i'll be back for season two yeah uh, but, uh, I mean, we'll see. But I hope they have 10 seasons. It's such a good show. I'll just watch it as a fan if I'm not. Tell us about the, um, 
you know, the set and the studio and stuff like that, was, it, it, is that even different from a lot of the sci-fi that you work on? It looks so, again, authentic. You know, when you watch the show, there's a sense yeah. of, uh, you can feel the crush of space on these human bodies when you watch yeah. The Expanse, right? And I, I, I love the setups. I mean, you can tell they're using iPads and things like that to, you know, as, yeah. as navigation systems and things like that. But it looks like what we would imagine a spaceship a couple hundred years from now would look like. Yeah, I mean, it's only 300 years in the future, right? Yeah. And it's, the mankind hasn't gotten past kind of Jupiter, really, in terms of colonization. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the thing I loved about it is I would, there are these big sets, uh, these big studios, rather, uh, in Toronto, huge ones. And they had built, um, like, when you're inside, there's a scene, I think, you're, if you're on episode nine, we've gone to Eros at this point, which mm -hmm. is the asteroid. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that is the there's no green screen there they it's almost like they hollowed out an actual asteroid wow and you're in this giant place in 360 it's uh you know you look wherever you look and it's it's that's what it is there's occasional they'll drop a green screen in the background because you know maybe there's space outside or something like that yeah but for the most part it's it's all built and the ships uh the ships the inside of the ships were all completely built the ladders going down and up like wherever we were going you went down to the other part of the ship when they would put me in uh, like a holding cell they took me down and they walked me around where the ship was wow. put me in a holding cell wow so when i said things like you know the guys you got up top i'm literally pointing to where they would be wow you know that kind of thing it's not there's no real fakery about it everything was built and very little green screen and the green screen they did use was uh, sparing and uh, sparingly used and and very well used that's uh, awesome. How, how did they uh, do the the anti gravity stuff? A bunch of wires and things like that. Were you actually having to float around at all in the show? Yeah, we. I mean, there's one scene where I'm floating, where he comes to. I'm just I'm just sitting there floating, and that was on a kind of a seesaw. Yeah. And uh, they painted up the seesaw essentially. They yeah. had two you know really heavy grips, kind of two guys at the bottom, kind of pushing <laughs> me up and down. Uh, we did that, and then uh, for the other stuff. When we're in our magnetic boots, but are still our bodies are supposed to be kind of in anti-gravity. Yeah. We just move slowly. We had some movement coaches. Um, and then there was another time with Stephen and Naomi, uh, who played uh, Holden and um, uh, no, Naomi. Holden and Naomi. Her yeah. name is Dominic. Yeah. Uh, Holden and Naomi. They were on ropes a lot. Okay. Yeah. There's one point where they discover this giant thing and. I remember being on set. This, this was a blue screen. It was a giant blue screen, and they were just hanging on these ropes for hours, just <laughs> waiting to get this perfect setup because the visual effects had to be right. And uh, yeah, so it was it was it was ropes and seesaws basically. Did you hang out with Thomas Jane at all? I didn't get to work with him that much. I hung out with him more at uh, San Diego Comic Con. Okay. Uh, but I, we only, we only have really one scene together, and he's behind me. Right, right, right. Uh, I don't um, because our two kind of sections of the world don't collide until the end. Yeah. Um, what, what what was uh, what was he like? What was it like hanging out with Thomas Jane? He's a cool dude, man. He's 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 strange, but in that like not that way where you're like, keep me away from this guy. It's more like an interesting strange. We're like I kind of want to get to know more about him, but he's strange. He's a uh, he's a pretty real dude as well. He is he is uh, different for sure. Oh yeah, did you work with him? I, you... I've never worked with him, but we've had him on the show a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, in interviews, he's a fascinating guy. He do, he does something uh, I, I don't know too many other people that do it, but um, sometimes when you're talking with somebody in an interview type situation, there's a a little bit of a move thing that people they kind of drift away sometimes yeah, it's yeah. usually just to drift back a little bit from the camera coming in but thomas jane actually does like a full rotation around you <laughs> as, <laughs> yeah cause, so we would start and the back oh my god batman's here wow <laughs> you're iron man batman and iron man that's incredible well, we start. I started my uh, interview with Thomas Jane. I think it was for uh, for uh, Batman. They're going upstairs. That's all right for a Batman animated thing, and he was against the backdrop like you normally would be on a red carpet thing, 
And, okay. and then we ended up rotating around and I'm shooting all of the other people that are doing other interviews and then I'm shooting the uh, PR people that are <laughs> behind there and then I'm shooting the, the, uh, the tables with bottles and, and, uh, and people sitting down doing um, sort of text interviews and stuff all the way around. Just did a complete circle. It was, uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> wow. That's, that's... <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting dude. But especially watching that season, he's... He's perfect. Such an underrated actor. Yeah, he is. He's perfect as this messed up uh, uh, Philip Marlowe-like noir, you know, yeah. punching bag of a detective in the future. And call me crazy, I loved him as the Punisher. Oh, he Although was great think, as the Punisher. Yeah. I think John Bernthal is going to be amazing. Yes. But, uh, I loved him as I love Thomas as the Punisher. Now, what's going on? Speaking of that, are you auditioning for uh, new cool shows like that right now? Are you like that's a, that's something that's shooting in New York? Obviously, is that something that yeah. you could you could be working on? Well, here's the thing: I'm a Canadian actor, so I got to go down to LA to, to audition for things like that, and I right. got to be legal. But uh, um, yeah, sure. I mean, right now I'm so busy with this. With I'm still working on Deus Ex and uh, finished a couple of shows this last weekend. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what else will come up. Yeah, yeah. Just think about being an actor, right? You're like on contracts. Yeah. So like I said for the uh, video game people is you work on something. You're like, all right, I need something else now. So, uh, you know, I could have Expanse coming up. I don't know. Yeah. Um, occasionally I'll get called randomly just be like, we're going to have you on this show for two weeks, things like that. So it's, uh, it's the way it is, man. Yeah. But... Um, right now, it's all about just finishing Deus Ex. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. Have you got any uh, promo stuff lined up for uh, for Far Cry Primal? Is uh, Ubisoft sending you out anywhere to talk about the game? No, not really. <laughs> we were talking about the actors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but they they had me come in and do. I've done. I did like a documentary for them. Okay. Yeah. That was. Uh, I think they released it yesterday. Uh, like a behind the scenes documentary, and then I did a. Um, kind of a explaining the game. I did a couple of documentaries for them. I had they had me narrate the documentaries, which is cool of them. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. And then the game comes out on Tuesday, and then they're done with me. Yeah, that's right. Unless we do a DLC or something, but I, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, yeah. What's a you get asked to do these gravelly voiced, you know, kind of tough, kind of rough. Yeah. Characters quite a bit in games. Is there something that you would like to do that's maybe uh, you know not in that wheelhouse that uh, you know some comedy type stuff? Is there? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, my career never never was uh, just you know being cool, gruff guy. Just like on TV, I always only play bad guys, right? Yeah. Um, just happened. It just kind of happened. Bad guys is just the thing I got cast as. Bad guys and scumbags. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And the same thing happened with with uh, video games is that and, you know, and commercials and things that when I started in doing uh, audio, like um, voice commercials. Yeah. There's a thing in Quebec called the SAQ. It's uh, in the rest of Canada. It's the LCBO. It's um, the place you can buy alcohol. Yeah. Uh, legally, it's a government mandated place you can buy alcohol. Right. And I did the SAQ ads for years when I lived in uh, Quebec and uh, they were here. There's like. This Saturday and Sunday at the SAQ, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would do. And people would bring me in for those kind of things all the time. And then suddenly, I think because of the video games and stuff like that, agents started hearing me in my normal speaking voice and saying, let's send him out for that. So now I'm the voice of Lexus and the voice like anything cool and gruff. Right, right, right. Then I'll, I won't get a call or an audition for like three weeks. Yeah. And I'll call my agent. He's like, well, they're all kind of like... You know, like Dunkin' Donuts commercials and uh, Bell TV commercials. And, and, and I'm like, I can do that, but yeah. nobody wants me to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like the One of the first characters I played in video games was uh, Federico from uh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And he was here. Everything I did was here. Right. This is how he sounded. He didn't sound gruff. He didn't sound mean. Yeah. But nobody ever calls me for that. Right, right, right. Uh, I could do it, but nobody called. It's... It's a blessing and a curse, right? It's a blessing because people are like, I want him because of his voice. Yeah. And it's a curse, which is like, you know, I can play other things, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's the cliche, the, the getting typecast thing. I, I know. Honestly, man, as long as I keep getting work, I don't care. Yeah, and, I, 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 and that's part of the battle being an actor yeah. for sure. Well, I know that you're a gamer as well. Is there a series or a game or a game company out there that you are dying to work 
on or for? Sure, yeah. Um, two of my favorite companies are Naughty Dog. I love Naughty Dog games. Um, uh, um, you know, The Last of Us for me was like a game, <laughs> pun intended, a game changer. Yeah. Like I, I adored that game. Um, it was like playing a movie. I loved it. Naughty Dog I would love to work for. And um, I know all the people at Telltale Games because we, we, did, we, did, we had done this great thing in San Diego where they did a live read of uh, The Walking Dead. Yep. And they asked me to narrate it. Uh, so I was there with all the actors from the that was in uh, Petco and you went with uh, I think Blake went to that and I think uh, Marissa yep. was w- with you on that one Marissa so was there awesome. yeah uh, yeah it was super cool man so I know all those guys and I love the Telltale games you know they got so a Batman game coming up right yeah I know that's gonna be cool yeah uh, so I love the Telltale games and I'd love to work uh, on one of those mostly because those are the games that require the most acting yeah. Like I showed you one of my favorite games I showed you. I don't know where I put it. Uh, the Rainbow Six, right? Yeah. My favorite games. And uh, I asked Ubisoft, I said, uh, when they were making it, I'm like, man, you got to give me a role in this. I was in Rainbow Six Vegas 2. I played the basket, the bad guy in that game. I said, you got to give me a role in this. And uh, they're like, eh, you don't want a role in that. I don't know why. And then you play the game, you realize there's no story. Yeah. Everything you do is grenade. Get down! No, <laughs> you're like you want to do three days of that. It's not really. You don't want really want to do that. And um, so games like Telltale games and, and the Naughty Dog games are they're really actors' games. Yeah. Right. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. For and sure. DSX too. Right? Yeah. Of course. When you're really starting, you're, you're not only starting to get recognized for your great work as a, as a voiceover artist or as an actor in games, but you're also starting to. Uh, really meet the community, you know, thanks to the CVAs and thanks to uh, yeah. things like uh, uh, the Comic Con stuff and the E3 things that you've been able to travel to. Are, are you um, are you having a lot more discussions with developers? And because I think primarily you've worked with Toronto and and uh, Montreal based teams, and probably a little yeah. bit in Vancouver. Are you starting now to talk with more international studios? Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm doing. Uh, I mean, this is kind of boring, kind of mundane stuff, but it's. Uh... I've uh, I've done the whole application process for the green card, and so probably next year, probably this year, I'm gonna yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna head down to the states hi, and daddy. hi honey, <laughs> uh, do all the meetings and meet with people like Telltale and like Naughty Dog and say, look, I'm here now. When when you go to those meetings, yeah, uh, bring Isabella and Atticus. Yeah, that'll work. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm sure they'll be very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like look this is not what my life is like <laughs> can i bring them to set is that okay actually i love bringing my kids to set only on lunch but i love bringing my kids to yeah set. for sure man yeah. i mean this is uh this is this is reality man this is real life they're all yeah. in it with you right they're on this crazy adventure with you guys yeah and we're in your office right now too right this is where well it's kind of like my my man cave very nice my television, my Coben. We shot we shot some fun <laughs> stuff in there for the CVAs one year. No, no, this is different, man. I've moved since then. Oh, you have? Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, Blake, you got a question or two for? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of okay. more questions. Okay. Um, Big Fatty Floyd and John Nicholas both want to know what uh, game are you looking forward to the most this year? What game are you looking forward to the most this year? What game am I looking forward to? I don't know. I've been so focused on freaking Deus Ex. I don't know what's... Well, the tell the Batman Telltale game. Yeah. I don't know if that's here. It is, yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna get Michonne too. That game I'm really looking forward to because I love those Telltale. Uncharted Four. Yeah. Of course. Are you down here? No, I'm not down here. Um, <laughs> are you, are you? It didn't work. Um, yeah, I mean, what else is coming up? What am I? What am I missing? I think those are uh, all perfect choices right there i think those yeah, are and i get every i get all the uh, major league baseball games in the uh, you're you're too high we're looking up your nose sorry Ugh. hello i get all the major league baseball games in the uh, nhl games awesome it's okay high. all right cool uh that was uh who, who asked that big fatty oh. floyd uh oh you oh you yeah, they heard no, you. that was big no, fatty no, floyd no, and john Nichols. yeah they heard you okay what's next um so i have somebody. another one from big fatty floyd okay big so fatty floyd is of, very vocal it's kind of serious <laughs> okay um, I don't. It might get a little hey. too personal, but he wants One to second. Elias, Star Wars, or Star Trek. Oh, big personal question: Star Wars or Star Trek? Um, ugh, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. Um, 
Wait, Star Trek, but not the new Star Trek. Yeah, yes. The reboots I hate. Yes. Um, That's an acceptable yeah. answer. But I love, right you know, answer. I grew up loving Star Trek. I grew up loving Star Wars, too. Yeah. Of course, everybody did. I even have a Mandalorian Boba Fett tattoo on my arm. Nice. But, uh, but it kind of lost me over the past few years. Yeah. I liked Force Awakens, but I didn't love it. Yeah. So maybe it'll win me back. But right now I'm such a big William Shatner fan and uh, Star Trek fan growing up that those are what I love. I mean, they're, they have terrible movies there, too. Yeah. Um, like one in five. And genera Generations is worse than even the Star Trek reboots. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Well, did you hate the first Star Trek movie that J.J. did, too? Yes. You, you hated it. I didn't hate it. I just, it's not a Star Trek movie. Right. That's why I knew J.J. was perfect for Star Wars, because he just basically made Star Trek into Star Wars. Yes. That yeah. first movie. It's not a bad movie, by yeah. any means. Well, the well, second one's a bad movie. What, uh, I think we talked about this over a text message, but what did you think of Star Wars? What were, what, why did you not just like it, not love it? Uh, because of the fourth Death Star in six movies, seven movies. That's what bothered me the most. I remember seeing the poster and going, "That tell me that's not a Death Star. And then by the time it got to the end, then they're like, this is the Death Star, and this is the plant. I'm like, oh, God, and they're doing another trench run. Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, that's the only thing I really don't like. But when I saw it the second time, I, I enjoy like I love the new characters, adore them. Yep. I actually really like Kylo Ren. Yep. Um, and I liked everything up until when they met Princess Leia, not because of her, yeah. because that's when the Death Star stuff started happening. Right. And you're like, oh. I remember watching it the first night, seeing it, and seeing the uh, when they escaped in the Millennium Falcon off of the planet. Yeah. And I turned to Michelle, I'm like, this is amazing. This is like everything I ever wanted in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just went off the cliff <laughs> the second they did the death star thing it just lost me i love that the... it's bad it's just that that's what lost me yeah i i, I uh it took i definitely had points off because the uh chewy and leia never had their moment after uh, we lost han and that was oh yeah was, yeah you texted me that you it was like too that. abrupt it was just like yeah. okay he's gone and then everybody's just moving on it's like what are you kidding me? <laughs> give, let's give this thing a moment here. You know, this is a real. I did deal. see this great drawing that somebody did on Twitter where they had, um, they had the scene where Chewie shoots Kylo Ren in the stomach. Yeah. And uh, they had it, they did a comic flashback. Yes, I saw Chewie that. Thinking about you saw it right? Yeah. Thinking about him as a kid and playing with him, so that's why you shot him in the stomach instead of shooting him, you know, blowing his head off. Yeah. Uh, which is, you don't think about those things at the time, but it's true. The, yeah. the greatest thing, and I've said this on the podcast before, is that we're, we're talking about Star Wars again with a bit of mystery yeah. and questions and like what in the, mostly a positive way. Yeah, so, right. Not as not, opposed to like this is this is I can't watch this. Yeah, like oh my god, which is what was how are they going to screw this new one up? You know, yeah, which is uh, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the onus now is um, Star Trek Three looks terrible. That's helped this year, well, right? Well, it's not Star Trek unless you have the Beastie Boys. <laughs> it just looks so terrible. And hopefully that's a shell game and it'll actually be an interesting movie. But this year we get uh, Rogue One, which will be... Uh, that looks really good. Yeah, I hope that's awesome. And then uh, Ryan Johnson, I loved his stuff on Looper. So I hope, that, I hope that 8 is... I honestly think that anything that we didn't like about this new movie, I think we could just look at as a setup for what they're going to do. Yeah. And they're not going to do. They're not going to just reboot Empire. I hope. Well, I will posit this. I will. I will throw this at you about the uh, the Death Star. Okay. If we suppose that this is an analogy for the Nazis in World War One and World War Two, uh, then the arrogance of this resurgent force saying that we can accomplish what our our past uh, force could not do using the same things. That's why they they said we're going to do. Uh, we're gonna do the, the Death Star again, but or better. it's bad writing, or it's bad writing, sure, <laughs> or it's a lazy out. Yeah, <laughs> that is gonna be familiar oh, no. for everyone. Oh, I can I can forgive it though. I just can't yeah. I can't forgive that moment. I love that Atticus has been doing laps down there. That's oh, incredible. I'm so yeah, I, know. I thought he was with the girls upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Pizza, pizza. Go get pizza. We're almost done. We're almost done. <laughs> Any other questions, Blake? Uh, yeah, sure. I have one last one from the last disciple. Last disciple's got one more for you. Okay. If right, the expanse cool. were a video game, what oh style God, of game would it be? Point and click, RPG, RTS, a little of all? What is the last thing? Okay, what kind of video game would best satisfy the expanse? Oh, that it would have to be something like a like a Telltale game. Okay. Because it's uh, the expanse is all about story and character development and things like that. Or you know you know what actually you know what would be really cool um, games that I used to love playing were um, uh, strategic. What were they? Real time strategy games. Yeah. Um, like Warcraft and Starcraft and the, things like that. The last the expanse, disciple suggested that. Yeah, the battles in the expanse, that kind of stuff would be great. Yeah. Awesome. Like a yeah, real time strategy game. That would be really cool, actually. Awesome. Now I kind of want to call them and pitch them. <laughs> hey, can we uh, keep our fingers crossed for anything that you've got coming up? Any projects that might happen that you can hint at? Anything Nothing I'm allowed to talk about. Really. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, Elias, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, and uh, I'm psyched to uh, play and stream and hear feedback about uh, Far Cry from our viewers and stuff like that. And I, you know, yeah, I, I hope everybody likes it. Thanks everybody for tuning in and for asking questions and being a part of this. And uh, we'll have you back on the show with your whole family again next time, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I love I loved all of that. By the way, don't 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 worry about any of that. That was awesome. But thank you so much, brother. And I can't wait till we uh, we are hanging out again soon. Okay. All right, thanks, guys. All right, take care, buddy. See you later. Bye-bye. That was Elias Tufexis. We love that dude. He is an awesome guy, uh, terrific talent, and uh, a lot of fun to hang out with, and he has an unbelievably beautiful and cool family. Thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you next time. Stitcher!